0: Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast, powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen, here in the BetMGM studios. This week, we got Braden Mann on the pod. Make sure to rate us, subscribe to us, wherever you may find your podcast, NewYorkJets.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play. Bart Scott comes back for our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game segment. You rattle those names off rather quickly. Yeah, I, I tried to do it like a commercial, where it's like, terms and conditions do apply, blah, 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 blah. You okay. know what I'm talking about?
1: Uh, I know what you're talking about regarding commercials, yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I have a I have a newfound respect for people that lead an auction. Where, uh, what are they called? Auctioneers?
1: Auctioneers. I have a great respect for Braden Mann because he's not just a punter. He is a football player. Every time we see him out there on Sunday afternoon, you never know who he's going to pop next. <laughs> Much Bra- respect.
0: Braden Mann joins the pod later in the show. He talked about what EA mentioned his tackling in the nfl i believe he now has two tackles on the year had one against the miami dolphins talked some texas football both high school and college and he's got a baby face so we have to make sure to bring that up EA.
1: yeah but he plays a grown man's game and he it, you know a lot of kickers they're going to shy away from contact and i totally get it especially at this point in my life but Braden, man, he's, he's he, he is looking for it. So, yeah. you know, that's the mentality of, hey, you know, he's going back to his linebacker days. And he's not the most imposing dude, but he gets after it. When a kid grew up in Texas, you know, that's part of your blood, you know, the physicality yeah. of the game and the mindset. So uh, interesting, a really nice kid, uh, learning the ropes in the National Football League. Um, so far, as far as the 2020 Uh, Jets draft class, you'd have to say it's incomplete at this point because we're six games into these guys' careers. But I think Mann's done a lot of good things here early in his professional uh, career.
0: And Braden Mann talked about the intricacies of punting. I thought that was pretty interesting. So let's hear from the Jets rookie, Braden man. Brayden, thanks a lot for joining us here on the official Jets podcast. Just first things first, what is life as a rookie like in the NFL, especially in a COVID world where you're typically not interacting with your teammates as much as you usually would?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, uh, I don't really know anything else right now. So I imagine being a rookie alone is uh, hectic as it is, but um, yeah with COVID I'm sure it's a little different but I really just don't know any other way right now so maybe next year uh, it'll be a little bit more calmed down with everything not going on hopefully so yeah it's definitely a little bit hectic but I'm loving it.
1: Being a young man who grew up in Texas what do you think about the northeast and in New Jersey and have you had the opportunity to get into New York City at all?
2: Uh, I love the area up here I mean it's awesome it's definitely a, a bit of a culture shock for me because I grew up in Houston and went to uh, college at Texas A&M so I haven't really left that 100-mile radius in my life. So um, it, is, it is definitely awesome up here, though. I'm loving it. Um, I did get to go to uh, Central Park one day, um, which was awesome. It was really cool. It was kind of a – I don't know. I, it was nothing like I ever imagined. It was huge. Um, I didn't really think everything there was that big. So,
1: Did you walk Central Park or did you
0: run it?
2: Oh, I definitely walked that. That was on our off day. I wasn't going <laughs> to run Central Park that day. Maybe another day I'll go try it.
0: <laughs> what were your – impressions of new york before you got here like what did you think of the area and what did you know about the area whether it was through movies pop culture or just through friends that have traveled
2: um i hadn't i don't really have a whole lot of friends that have traveled to new york i've always wanted to so um it was really cool and i got the call and i was like man that's one of the places i've never been so i really wanted to come up here and um yeah i haven't really been in new york city itself a whole lot i've just kind of been in this little area of new jersey um but new york was definitely everything that uh i imagined it was i basically just seen movies and that's what i've gotten out of it so um yeah it's definitely it's definitely super cool to uh, kind of see it all what you know all the stories you hear about new york and um just the culture and the amount of people in it is insane so
1: you said you grew up in the houston area how would you describe the culture in texas because us in the northeast we consistently hear people say everything's bigger in texas <laughs> it is
2: for the most part i think uh Everything is more crowded here, for sure. Um, everything's just more, like, spacious there. So everything is bigger in Texas, but it's also got a lot more room in it. So there's just a lot more of a space. So I've never been kind of this many people crammed into one area in my
0: life. Brayden, what's something that you think the Northeast should adopt from either the South in general or specifically Texas? Um, Texas. I, I like the my North Texas
1: North North the greens.
2: I'm sorry? I well, said Texas is the Southwest.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I, uh,
2: I think the barbecue for sure. I, you know, it's I haven't really had a whole lot of barbecue up here, and I'm kind of missing it. And I think that's definitely one of the things that could uh, – they could use a little bit up here for sure. I, I'm missing – I'm missing the Tex-Mex, the barbecue, all the food.
1: Uh, what can you say – how would you describe the college rivalries there in Texas? Because you went to A&M, of course. Was there any thought to go on to UT or that's not allowed in the man household because I know college rivalries are real in Texas
2: yeah well the first uh probably 12 or 14 years of my life AM wasn't allowed in the man household because we were a big Iowa State family um and the big 12 was kind of a rivalry there so they didn't you know my family was definitely not AM people but my sister ended up going to A&M and so um I took a few visits loved the place and now uh we're a big Aggie family and UT is still not allowed, but AM wasn't at one point. Now we are. So,
1: so the 12th man, uh, how would you describe what that was like playing there? And, uh, you know, we always see those shots of everybody lined up in uniform. Can you describe that atmosphere, that environment you played in collegiately?
2: Uh, it is pretty unreal. Um, there's not a whole lot like the uh, entire 12th man swaying, um, seeing the student section. That was one of the best things in, in football, I think, is – uh, every fourth quarter we have the uh, the sway where you see everybody lined up and swaying back and forth. Um, and to look from our sidelines into the student section, see all that, it was one of the coolest environments I've ever been in. There's, I don't think there's another stadium in college football like it.
0: Brayden, I'm curious about high school football in Texas. You know, it's super competitive from everything that I've read, everything I've seen, and obviously there's TV shows and movies like Friday Night Lights. But, you know, I was just watching something – talking about Kyler Murray in Texas and going to Allen and now he's playing there. As we record this podcast episode, he's playing back in Texas tonight as the Cardinals take on the Dallas Cowboys. But what is high school football like in Texas? And can you give us a glimpse of how competitive that is?
2: Um, that is also something that's pretty unmatched around the country. I think uh, my district alone, for example, we had at the time 10 six, a high schools in one district. Um, you know, and I had, I graduated with 875 people, so um, that many people in one district gets pretty competitive, especially when you have um, just kind of the culture of Texas football down there. So, um, I don't know. In the stadium that we played at, I think the our home stadium seated 12 15,000. So, I think that got me a little bit ready for college football. Um, it wasn't like the 800 you see some other places. So, uh, it was it was pretty crazy. Some people would think that it was like a smaller um, smaller like college uh college stadium so i i think it was awesome there's definitely nothing like high school football in texas um and i don't think i really realized that until i left
1: was your first love soccer though because you were an accomplished player growing up and what made you make the move towards football and and to that extent also as a follow-up do you still follow soccer are you an avid watcher of the world cup or maybe the premier league or fifa player (laughs)
2: <laughs> no i was never really good at fifa i uh i i got i got worked a couple of times against my roommates so i, I kind of stayed away from fifa but no my first love was always football um and i did play soccer my entire life i played when i was like four years old so um but my first love when i started playing was definitely football um and that's what i always wanted to do in college that's what i always wanted to con- continue on doing um i do miss soccer a little bit and miss playing goalie in there and uh you played ball in the sport where I now use my feet. So you <laughs> ball. I did. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but I always like the positions where you don't do anything. Everybody else does, you know, like I use my feet now. <laughs> I use my hands there. So it's, I don't know. I kind of like to mix it up.
1: It, it, but you are a football player and we know it, we're definitely going to talk about you mixing it up, but will <laughs> report you as a high school linebacker, but what was brain man like?
2: um well I kind of just played my freshman year uh I didn't really I never played on varsity or anything as much as I really wanted to um I used uh, I like to think that I um laid the wood a little bit but I was never like the biggest or uh the most physical specimen out there um so I kind of had to make up for it a little bit just trying to be a little smarter um but yeah I don't think I was ever uh I don't know. I Looking back at my body size now, my body type now, I'm kind of glad I strayed away from linebacker because so I wouldn't have been able to really <laughs> do that in college. You see all these guys around me. So um, I'm glad I made the transition, but it was a lot of fun while I, while
1: I How much did you weigh at the freshman year of high school?
2: Freshman year of high school, I probably weighed uh, about 180-ish.
1: Okay, that's pretty big. You know, was, freshman?
2: Yeah, not not a bad so not size. not the, right?
1: the biggest. I'm sorry? <laughs> I said probably not that big in Texas, though.
2: No, definitely not. That's why I'm saying I was definitely one of the smaller linebackers at our high school.
0: Did you grow up watching football and like liking linebacker, and that's why you wanted to play it? And if that's the case, then were there any linebackers that you particularly liked in the NFL? Uh,
2: definitely. I, I grew up always liking, uh, I don't know, something about defense. It wasn't necessarily linebacker because that's where I kind of best fit. I was never really the fastest guy either, so I didn't really have any of the – uh one characteristic that you needed but I felt like linebackers probably where I belong the most um and I don't know there wasn't really I never watched a whole lot of NFL football growing up I'm not gonna lie so I didn't really have any uh NFL guys that I watched all the time um I always just watched college football and always turned on it like seriously any game I could find um and just watch their defense and I always there's something I always liked about um you know just getting to lay people out all the time or you know make tackles and um yeah, that's something I just used to love to do
1: I know you don't want to make tackles as a punter, but you've already made a couple here in the National Football League. What's going through your mind when you see a guy in the open field like a Deontay sponsor or Grant in Miami? And then after you actually take down that player, do you ever have a little trash talk? <laughs> no, I've never
2: trash talked on a uh, on because Usually it's probably a pretty good punt return, So I don't feel like it's really my place to, to talk trash that much. Um but I don't know there's not really a whole lot going through my mind. It's kind of just um I just let everything go and just try to you I use the sideline a lot because um I've always heard that the sidelines never miss a tackle in its life. So I always try to force them to the sidelines and just trying to keep them in that little space and then just put my head in there maybe or maybe a shoulder from now on just not my head.
1: but do you you like the contact you see a lot of kickers sometimes yeah they get in the general vicinity but it doesn't look like they want any part of it you on the other hand it's almost like that freshman from high school is taking over and it's (laughs) warm tackle time
2: definitely yeah I think uh I don't know I get pretty excited like right like a split second before I make the tackle because it kind of lets me live out my uh dreams that were once long ago of playing linebackers so for that split second I should get to um live out that dream playing linebacker a little bit and then I kind of go back to punting so um yeah like you said I never really want to make a tackle per se but when I get to um then it is a little bit of fun just to really get on there and kind of
0: interact with some of those guys who are way faster and stronger and taller than me so you know Braden, I feel like a lot of people that think about punting, but don't really know a whole lot about special teams. Think it's C ball kickball, as far as you can, as hard as you can. But can you take us into the intricacies of different punts and what different punters are coached to do? Not necessarily you in particular, but what are the different kicks that you work on and how long does that take to perfect? And what's a punting strategy, like entering a Sunday game plan? Um,
2: I think the transition from college to the NFL was huge. Um, honestly, there wasn't like a whole lot to know in college rather than, uh, you know, just when you get to a shorter field, try and kick it higher, not as far. Um, and then when you're backed up, just try to let them like hit the farthest spiral you can. In um, the NFL, obviously all these returners are super dangerous and um, they know it and they know how fast they are. And so you can't give them too much space. So I think just um, kind of a hang time to distance uh, ratio has got to be a little bit better in the NFL. And then um, there's just a lot of scheme that you don't really see in college a whole lot. Um, for instance, like um, you don't have any spread punt in the NFL. It's not allowed. So you've got to do a lot of uh, pro punt. And so your only two cover guys for a little bit are the gunners. So you got to work with them as much as you can. Um, but yeah, like we have um, a few different punts trying to mix it up with the returners. Um, and hopefully I'm trying to you know mask it to where they don't really know which one I'm doing. Um, Cause if you can get them a little bit uncomfortable, that's a win. Um, and to get our gunners on the same page is definitely uh, a major key for that. So um, I just think there's some things that people that don't necessarily watch the games really know. They just think we are trying to boot it, like you said. But there are um, things that are running through our head that you don't really um, hear or see on TV.
1: How about the difference in the ball, though? You're using a different ball than you did in college.
2: I, I like it a lot more, actually. It's Yeah, the NFL balls are a lot of fun to kick. Um, I know we've got to use our K balls, which are relatively new when we kick them. Um, but yeah, they're a little bit fatter, um, just a little bit kind of shorter, more compact. Uh, and the leather is fantastic. So we actually, like, I love to kick the you know, football. It's my favorite football to kick
0: um, that I've kicked through high school, college, whatever I've tried. That's my favorite one. And do you have a favorite stadium that you've kicked in yet? I know it's only been five, uh, what, six games now? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of
2: weird. Uh, I usually try to base these stadiums off of uh, fans and like kind of the atmosphere, you know, so I'm sure MetLife would be rocking if we had fans and stuff like that. So like, it's weird getting a feel for right now. Um, but Miami was a pretty cool stadium too. That's that's just a little bit different with the uh, kind of roof coming on both sides. And um, that, was, that was a pretty cool one as well.
1: Can you believe it already? You're six games into your NFL career. And what can you say about what do you like that you've been doing and what are some things that you continue to work on with Brant Um
2: yeah, I can't believe I'm six weeks in already. This is it's kinda gone by really fast and I didn't really think it'd come this fast. So um it's been kind of wild ride for the first six games and um there are things there's a lot of things that I can definitely clean up. I think one thing is just getting my uh hang time and direction up because uh, you know, even if you hit a long ball or a short ball if you're hang time and you have good direction, you know, outside the hash or outside the numbers, um, then your gunners can cover it and it'll be a good punt, you know. Um, but those are definitely things I can work on is just trying to help my gunners out as much as I can with hang time and let them get down there and just make it easier on them because it's not easy on them when you punt a low far one because they gotta cover a lot more ground and and those and those uh returners are just you know when they get open and when they get in open space it's hard to cover them in general do you, you know take
1: pride right in holding i'm sorry you take pride in holding as well that goes uh, under the radar a little bit and, uh, and me i'd probably be like uh, the character in snoopy i'd probably be letting my hand go off of that ball <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i definitely take pride in holding i think it's something that's pretty underrated um yeah people don't really think about it until you mess up you know so it's one of those things where uh, nobody's really going to notice if it's good or bad until you mess up. So hopefully if you have a good enough holding career, a couple of games, like nobody will notice. Um, but I definitely take a lot of pride in it and um, just trying to help Sam out as much as I can.
0: You know, uh, this is kind of a two part question unrelated to each other in terms of holding. When did you first start holding? And how much have you grown in that aspect and what goes into different holes? Because Brant Boyer has always said it really depends on the kicker. And then the other part of this is you mentioned the gunners on punt coverage. Well, is how difficult is it to try to, like, develop a chemistry with your gunners when you're dealing with a lot of injuries throughout the defense or the offense, depending on who the gunners are? Because those guys are consistently changing, at least they have been in the first couple weeks here in the season
2: your first part of that, um the holding is working just with one kicker is, is definitely makes it a little bit easier but once you kind of get it down um it's a little it, you know you can go back and forth pretty easily between two kickers because I know in camp we had Brett and we had Sam and once I got a few with each of them I kind of knew um what I had to do for those but I started holding my freshman year of college uh because I just got recently moved from kicking field goals in high school to punting and so that was something that I never really did in high school because I didn't have to so um I kind of took all the snaps on the sidelines before um, the field goal team went out. So that got me a lot of practice because I was there and I wasn't going to have our um, punter just go take a thousand snaps from our snapper. So that got me a lot of practice on the sidelines. Uh, I think that's what kind of helped me a little bit and grow before I actually had to do it in the game. Um, And then, yeah, the Gunners, uh, it's, it's mostly just during the week, you know, it's, it's week to week. We don't really know uh, what's going to happen in in that, in the previous game or who's going to be out. So um just working throughout the week and and knowing who your gunners are and just communicating with them throughout the week um and just take it you know one day at a time and hopefully you develop good chemistry with them i know uh, i did this week and i you know we were on the same page throughout the week and just kind of we're trying to get good chemistry between us on the fly you know because injuries happen all the time unfortunately and it's just something you kind of got to roll with
1: how are you getting along with your fellow 2020 NFL draft class? I know you had the leg up, per se, on a couple Florida Gators as A&M and got past them here early in the college football season.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was definitely uh, – I don't talk trash a lot, but I was definitely talking trash after that. Um, <laughs> I tried not to talk too much uh, beforehand because, you know, Florida's a good team, a and a good team and but afterwards I just kind of let it loose because nothing's uh, quite like the feeling of the scoreboard after the game so there was definitely some some hurt feelings here or there but me being the only Aggie on the team I had to let my opinion known
0: <laughs> Alright, I like that You know, I, I got one more question for you unrelated to football Braden, when people guess your age, what do they say? And before COVID, do you always get carded entering a bar? I feel like you're going to be carded for a long time
2: <laughs> yeah I, I definitely people don't think um people think i look pretty young and i've always been like that like my senior year of high school i was always asked so if i was like a sophomore or whatever and uh in college you know i was i was never everyone thought i was a freshman my senior year and it's just i think the facial hair is a huge problem because i like or the lack of um so i definitely need to start growing that out if i can but yeah usually people think i'm two or three years younger than i actually am so 22 but some
1: people think i look 19 still unfortunately all right. hey that's a good quality to have you always want <laughs> to look young believe yeah, me hope- and good luck with the facial hair
2: thank you hopefully the uh the young thing sticks with me later on in life so maybe yeah. that's my uh maybe that's the upside to this yeah you,
0: you're playing the long game here you know it, it might bite you in high school and college but then in later in your later years of life it might come around to your advantage exactly exactly Braden, appreciate the time man absolutely thank y'all for having me i appreciate it thanks Braden. As you just saw, EA and I had to play some Atlantic Health Jets training center roulette to get that Brayden Mann interview done because we were both in the building but not in the BetMGM studio. (laughs) No,
1: inside (laughs) the Jets was being taped at that time. So I think Dan Graza and the Matt Baker, Bart Scott, were up here. And I was displaced actually inside the team meeting room, which happens to be at the Auditorium at One Jets Drive, socially distant from – the rest of the world because that's a big space and nobody was there other than me.
0: Did you sit in one of the comfy chairs? No, I
1: sat in a chair, one of the instructor chairs down below. So no, it was not one of the comfortable chairs.
0: Okay. Well, you mentioned inside the jets with Bart Scott, Mm. Bart Scott also joined the pod. Like I said earlier for our weekly segment of our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game segment. So let's hear from the Madbacker. All right, now it's time for our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game or matchup to watch with Bart Scott. Bart, thanks a lot for joining us yet again. Jets, Bills, in Week 7. Who's your matchup to watch or your player to watch? Greens, he I mean, kicked us out of the studio. Do I you mean,
1: see yeah. something wrong here? Oh, uh, yeah. The studio and Bart has taken over.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm claustrophobic, man. I'm stuck in here, man. I've been here for two shows, man. I'm I'm nervous, man. The walls are closing in on me. I need sunlight. But I tell you what, man, my player to watch is you know the same players to watch in the first matchup. It's always about Josh Allen, his ability to extend plays with his legs. He killed the Jets, not only just dropping back and throwing the ball, not even the off schedule plays where he had to improvise, but the plan and design runs that he had as well. You know, and that that comes when you we might when you talk about Josh Allen, his ability to extend plays and make big plays on the field. You have to tie that directly to, to Stefan Dix. So those are the players to watch. So I think they're one and the same. You know, they're taking over the league. They're one of the the um, most productive, you know, duels in the game right now. And they're really going to have to address that because if you start giving up big plays and that's going to open up the ranking game for Singletary and for, and, uh, for the um, young rookie, what, Zach Moss? Zach Moss.
1: Zach Moss yeah. out of Utah. Hey, yeah. you're a you're, 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 you're
3: rookie. Yeah, I don't really have to know your name when you're
1: a rookie. He spoken like the true linebacker he was and still is because that mentality never has left Bart Scott. I got to go to the other side of the ball. The Jets got to jumpstart this offense. So the offensive line dealing with some injuries right now. But hopefully – they'll be able to provide some protection for whomever is playing quarterback for the Jets this week. Likely, you would anticipate that Joe Flacco making his third consecutive start under center. The Bills have had problems defensively here early in the 2020 season, whereas Buffalo, in years past, they had ridden their success based on that defense, but they've given up a lot of yards and a lot of points. Let's see how the Jets can match up at the line of scrimmage because you're going to need a balanced attack because you got to get in third and manageables. Last week, Bart, the Jets just 2 of 17 on third down.
3: Oh, I saw it. Trust me. I, I witnessed every single snap of that. Mm-hmm. I tell you what. When you tell you what, Josh Norman hasn't made a big impact is that other lockdown corner. opposite there is white. Uh, I mean, sure, David is white. But I tell you what, when you think about you know what you have to do is – You know, pretty much, you know, you think about the Buffalo Bills, they're not they haven't been a team that's been super aggressive blitzing, but they're going to blitz the Jets because the Jets have struggled with interior blitzing and blitzing from the outside. So they're going to be able to have their 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 hot routes together. They have to be able to have their plan because they're going to get it until they're able to really you know, stop it. You know, you think about maybe maxing it up and getting two three man routes and having eight eight man protections or seven man protections. That's something that you're gonna to have to consider because the Buffalo Bills, I know in, in their in their past they've been conservative, but against the Jets they they feel emboldened because they feel like they like their matchups on the outside. Let's see if that can change. Hopefully on uh, Derek Mims can get himself back together and Makai Becton can get that shoulder, that wing fixed.
1: Uh, We've talked in the past, you said, hey, at Oliver, explosive player for the Jets, I mean, for the Bills on the interior, but he's undersized. Uh And you talked about after week one, maybe potentially you can put a double on him and run the football. Jerry Hughes is a very good player from the outside, but the Bills are not getting it from other places right now.
3: Well, you talk about a, a guy, when you talk about an um, explosive guy, he's a one-gap penetrator. So when you talk about one-gap penetrators, think about the old Tommy Harrison and how successful he was you know, there in, in Chicago that means he's going to shoot up the field. He's going to get in the gaps. You know, when you do that, you use his aggression against him. You trap block him. You know, you you let him shoot the gap and you block him with the backside guard and you send the, the guard in which he's over and you send him up to the linebacker. And that's how you create seals and holes for your running backs to get through. And it can be set up. So that way that makes him have to play the game more cautiously and make sure that he fires off. He puts hands on instead of just recklessly getting up in the gaps. You know, but because he's so small, you want to try and get that movement and try and, you know, Trap block maybe the defensive end or trap Hughes because he's not a big guy, but you can get him with counter action with pulling backs and also from um, tight ends that on the opposite side coming in as if you know you're coming in to cut his legs out. And he has to protect himself. And then when he starts protecting himself, that's when you send that saying, tight end, you know, I would prefer Griffin. You know, you get him to the second level because he fakes the cut as he tries to avoid you. And then he gets out into the alley and you can have a big explosive play. Oh. Everything has to mirror up because this is a smart defense, smart defensive coaching staff. They run that system to perfection. So you have to use their eyes and their teaching against them.
0: You know, I'm going to go with the Jets receiving core Mm -hmm. as my matchup to watch. And kind of like what Bart said, though, playing off of that, when you have Trey White on one side and then Josh Norman on the other and the Bills feel like they can trust those guys and they start sending more blitzes, that leaves one-on-one matchups for guys like Prashad Paraman, Jameson Crowder, Jameson Crowder's only had one game in which he's not gone over 100 yards. So if the Jets get healthier on the outside with Brashad Perriman, we'll see what the status is of Denzel Mims. Maybe those guys can take advantage on the outside. But Bart, I want to wrap things up with this. What did you mean exactly for people that don't know when you say everything needs to mirror up on the defense? What exactly did you mean by that?
3: I mean, this, this, every run that you have in your playbook should have an equal, a equally similar Pass off of it. That way they can't, they can't hone in on you. They can't hone in on, okay, when Pirine is in, then it's a run. When Gore's in, it's a pass. You have to make sure it mirrors up the personnel mirrors up. You have to make sure that the same looks that you have, you know, going one way, you can flip it. And if you flip it to the other side, it looks totally different to to, to that side of the ball because they haven't seen it from that perspective. So you want to make sure that you mirror your looks up that way you can have success in the play action game because that run looks just like that pat when that 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 run Looks just like that pass. So then the running backs have, I mean, the linebackers have to respect the running backs. And that's when you create that that separation in the middle. You allow your receivers to have open space to work because you think about the lack of linebacker depth creates pockets in which you know receivers can get the defenders on their on their back and be able to shield them and be able to get some of those ten to fifteen digs, slants, and opportunities to get that yak after they catch the ball. You know.
1: Line of scrimmage and Bart is right. Anticipate the Buffalo Bills, who predominantly are known as a zone team, to play a lot of man and for each of the Jets' opponents until they start beating them down the field of crowding that box.
0: That was the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game, and that was another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by AWS. Thanks to Braden Mann, and thank you, Bart Scott.
3: I have no life.